Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. May 19th, 2022, and it is a heck of a morning right here live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, and shortly thereafter. Once the show wraps up, we'll be live on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Keck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful day, a wonderful week. I don't know where you guys are listening from, but right here where I am at, right outside of Hilton Head, South Carolina, it is going to be a really hot day. And I know what some of you might be thinking. If you're familiar with the area, you're in South Carolina, of course, it's going to be hot. Yes, it's usually this hot in July, August. But we're about to break some records today. So I cannot wait to play some men's beer league softball in 97 degree heat later on after BTL today. I'm very excited about that. I'm going to sweat off like 15 pounds. So I'm very excited. But you guys don't want to hear about that. You guys want to talk about mixed martial arts. And there's a lot to talk about. We have UFC Vegas 55 coming up on Saturday. Headlined by Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vieta. Pretty important fight at 135 pounds, especially with a potential rematch coming up between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes. If Juliana Pena wins that fight, this fight in particular could have some weight, some bearing on the division and where this division might be going. I feel like Holly Holm has had 835 title shots, and if she wins that fight on Saturday, <laughs> she's going to be in the mix. That is for damn sure. But she's been out for a while. Caitlin Vieira's looked pretty good coming off the win over Misha Tate. And then we got the all-violence classic between Santiago Ponzinibbio and Michelle Pajeda. Another all-violence classic, Chidi and Jaguani versus Dusko Todorovic. Main card's pretty solid. And here's what I like about this card the most. What I like about this card the most is a couple of things. 11 fights. Nice, tight 11 fights. 
prelims start at 4 p.m. Eastern, six prelim fights, which means we're going to fly through them. And then 7 p.m. main card start time, five fights. We'll be doing the preview show at or the post-fight show at like 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's awesome. That's how all these fight nights should be. They should always be that way. 4 p.m. prelims, 7 p.m. main card. I saw some people say that this card is terrible. I don't think it's terrible. I think it's a pretty solid fight night card. Is it the strongest name value-wise? Probably not, but there's some good fights on here. There's some interesting fights on here. We get Pacaporta against Jelton Almeida. Someone's going to shine in that one. Omar Morales, Eurots Medic is going to be a lot of fun. Jonathan Martinez, Vince Morales will be a lot of fun. We'll see the return of Chase Hooper. See if he can get back in the win column against Felipe Cajares. And Elise Reed and Sam Hughes just going to get out there and do the damn thing. They're going to throw hands at each other. And it's it's not a bad card. It's really not a bad card. Then we got Friday or tomorrow. Eagle FC is back. Eagle FC 47. There's just I just I just like Eagle FC. I don't I mean there's I have a million questions about the promotion. Some of the behind the scenes stuff that I don't love. I don't like a lot of the matchmaking. But listen, it's fun. It's a fun listen. If Henry Cejudo is is on color, we are in for a fun night. We could create some kind of drinking game, I'm sure, when it comes to that. And then another topic that's going on is who is Dustin Poirier going to fight on July 30th? And is Dustin Poirier going to fight on July 30th? The man has come out publicly and said, I want to fight on this date. I don't care who it is. Who is it going to be? We had a listener suggest on Tuesday, maybe Islam Makachev should just say, you know what? You guys are saying that I need a top five win. You think that there's doubts that I should be fighting Charles Oliveira? Guess what? I'll fight you, Dustin Poirier. I'll fight you July 30th. I'll get you that top five win. And then I'm going to go on and fight for the title. So there you go. There's some options. So we can talk about all those things. We can answer the question, Dustin Poirier versus question mark, question mark, question mark. You can talk these cards this week. We can talk about whatever you want. It's your show. Tomorrow, it's going to be all your show. So the rant that you're getting here, the rant you got at the beginning of Tuesday's show, you're not going to get that on Friday. We're just going to turn it over to you guys, unless there's some just big, massive breaking news. So let's get right into this thing. And let's start with, it's not deadly. First word, my man. Make sure you unmute. What's up, it's not deadly? Are you there? Make sure you unmute. It's not deadly. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, there uh, we go. Wait, I'm, I'm doing something. Uh, I'll talk in a bit. You'll talk? <laughs> okay. All right, we'll pull him out. Let's get another mic in here. Mike Lawson. Mike, what's up, buddy? Heck of a morning, Mike. Heck of a morning. Bro. You're damn right. Hey, what's going don't on? Don't kick me off, but I got two things to ask you. The first thing, are you ready for Triple C to become C4, bro? C4. <laughs> and the second thing is... Are you ready for the heat to go up two games tonight, bro? I will hang up and listen. I mean, listen, it's supposed to be a heck of a morning, and you want to start off the show with that trash? How dare you? I'm ashamed to share the same first name with you. I'm just joking, kind of. Listen, 
the Henry Cejudo thing. I've listen. I have been against this Henry Cejudo. I mean, not against the Henry Cejudo comeback. I just haven't cared at all about it because I need to see this man compete. And I know Captain Eric, who I like a lot, was on the MMA Hour yesterday, and him and Ariel had buried the old hatchet. And Eric believes that Henry will fight for the championship, either the probably the bantamweight title first. That if he wins, maybe go off and fight for the featherweight title. And if he comes back, like, that's great. That's great that he comes back. But I also understand the hesitance the UFC has here. I know Ariel was, was asking Eric about why hasn't the UFC embraced this return? Because he tried to, he screwed him. He left him high and dry. Beats Dominic Cruz and then just says, I'm out. Unless you give me all the money in the world, I'm not fighting again. You screwed the company. And you know how the UFC reacted to it? They didn't care. <laughs> They're just like, okay, Piotr Jan's going to fight for the title against somebody. We've already moved on. Like I said before, I'm hesitant to get excited about this because I just don't think the buzz he thinks he's going to create with this comeback is actually going to happen. Is there interest? Are people talking about it? Yeah, maybe, but this isn't anywhere near... Like, when John Jones actually comes back, when we're serious that he's coming back, like, we're feeling like he's really coming back. We're going to be a gazillion times more interested than Henry coming back. But like I said, if Henry goes out and fights a Cheeto Vera or fights a Marab or fights somebody like that, gets a win, I'm happy. I will come on here and praise him. I will say, come get your title shot. Go up to 45 if you want. I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. But I just need to see him fight somebody. I don't think he should walk into a title fight. I don't think he should. If I'm the UFC, I wouldn't do that. What's the difference? What's the difference? You put you put Aljo against Dillashaw, or you put Aljo against Aldo, or you put Aljo versus Henry Cejudo. Is it a clear? Is it clear that Henry Cejudo will draw more than the other two guys? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Jose Aldo probably outdraws all of them, if we're being honest. So Huda would create some interest and we'd talk about a we'd break down a pretty fun fight, but it's not like Sohudo is gonna give them five hundred thousand extra pay-per-view buys. Cause he probably doesn't. He probably gives the same, if not less than the other two guys. So don't I mean, it is what it is. I hope he does come back from just a competitive standpoint, but I just don't, I don't want to see a world where he's like, I'm fighting for the title or I'm not fighting at all. And then he doesn't fight. I don't think he has that sort sort of leverage. And I know Ali has a great relationship with the UFC, but I, th- I think, I think Suhuda left a really bad taste in their odds. And I don't blame the UFC for being hesitant on this. So go fight Cheeto Vera. I would favor Suhuda to beat Cheeto Vera, but that's a tough grueling fight. And if he beats Cheeto, then there's no questions. Let's just get him in there and fight. And by the way, the Celtics are going to beat up on the Heat. They might not have Al Horford. That sucks not having those two guys, but looks like Marcus Smart will be back, and that's going to make a big difference. All right, let's try this again. It's not deadly. All right, what do you got? First of all, you're a bitch for taking my mic off. Second of all, you're 45 years of age. Get a real job, man. You fucking suck. You're talking to yourself, you know that? 
I'm talking to you. Yeah, you're not anymore. Get out of here. You're not deadly. I'm not 45 years old. Trust me when I tell you this. I'm not 45. And I'm not talking to myself. Have you listened to the program? What a dumbass. MJ, you're up. Tristan, you're on deck. Can we get MJ in here? All right, the wheel is spinning. Try to get MJ. We'll tr we'll get you in here. Let's get Tristan in here. Tristan, <laughs> what's up, buddy? You wanna you wanna try to hurt yeah, my feelings like that, that other what asshole? What was that all about? Like, dude, guys, people relax. It's not that serious. Dude. What is going on? Guys, is getting off. Um, getting up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. I guess. What is going on? Jesus. Anyways, he calls. He says he says I, I I'm I'm a bitch for taking him off mic, but he said he had something to do and then he was gonna come back later. So I said come back in, but who gives a wow. shit? What's wow. up, buddy? You got me swearing now, you all right. God Lee, go ahead. All right. Um I wanna get into here with a man of newness here. Um so I did um I did read the article with uh Jeremy Cruz on her on his interview with her and then um um a couple of things on this. So it was very interesting how she was um, saying, you know, it was time for her to leave the gym, and what was part of it was the Kayla Harrison, and then um, her, her, you know, just leading her to get out of AT and T and start her own gym is always something that she always wanted to do. Anyway, with that, what what she has to say, it makes me believe that the featherweight division is not going anywhere. And that I I'm, I'm I have a real strong feeling that um, Kayla Harrison is going to come next year to the UFC, but you know, and um, she would uh, they're going to those two are going to fight. Um, also, with this too, um, with her upcoming bout against Julia Pena, um, it you know, listen, I I really believe that she's going to get that belt back because of um, her last fight. She went and uh, Jed Mashu had came with that article back in February that um, Nuna's heading into that fight. She wasn't she wasn't herself. She was dealing with COVID as well as with injury, I think, and she couldn't push it back. She says, "I didn't want to push the fight back. You know, I didn't want to do that. So you know, I just went in there and did the best I can. Now, nothing to take away with Julian Payne's win, but you know, this is this is this fight is going to be very important to see." where both are at as far as um, Amanda Nunes and Julia Pena. Julia Pena has, has some pressure on this fight. She's got she's to show that this wasn't a fluke. And, right. I, I mean, I just – I don't think – to be honest, I don't think Pena is better than Nunes, and I think she's going to lose that belt, and, um, you know, Nunes is going to get the belt back, and that's going to set up everything, put everything in motion between Nunes and Kayla Harrison for that fight to happen. Kaylison wants. I think Kaylison's going to definitely come to the UFC because of legacy, and she says she wants to be the best. She wants to be all the good fighters. She wants to be talked about more. She's, you know, she talked to Ariel about this, and it was really messing with her head. So I, you know, I just think this fight is definitely going to happen. I really want your thoughts on that, and then also, as well, um, heading into this fight on Saturday, we have um, Usho uh, Uros Medish versus uh, Omar Morales. Um, 
you know, people forget. People forget. Menace just came into. He was a you know a young prospect coming into this to the UFC, and you know that's that's a good fight with Morales. I know he's coming off that loss against Jalen Turner, and we got and Jalen Turner may have to be start start being um be talked about more because he is huge for this division, and he's on a, a huge win streak here. I'm I'm getting concerned because he's going to fight Brad Riddell. He goes and then whips Brad Riddell, starches him. He's going to be ranked. And he's going to be concerned. Like, and I and listen, I'm with you with Armin Sarukian, but he, he probes a lot of challenges. So, you know, that's going to be interesting. I want your, your take on that as well. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what's going to go on. And, uh, just like to hear what you have to say, Mike. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, Tristan. A nice, fun, positive caller. We appreciate that on this program. That's normal. We get we we get one or two assholes every once in a while, but very very rarely. A lot to unpack there. Listen, the the Kayla Harrison thing is interesting. There's two sides to every story. Guillermo got Amanda Nunes aside, and you can go check that on MMAfighting.com. And very interesting take from the featherweight champion, the former bantamweight champion. So I mean, there's all there's really only like four people on Earth who know the actual story there. And none of us really know what actually happened. So I'll leave that at that. As far as the Kayla Harrison going to the UFC thing, I there's a chance, but I just legacy has to matter. But as Ally Quinta is on the line, as he would say too, as, as important as legacy is, legacy doesn't pay the bills. Legacy doesn't buy you vacation homes. Legacy doesn't buy you your dream car. Money does. Money does. And UFC is going to be able to pay Kayla Harrison some money, sure, but Bellator is going to be able to pay her more money. And you can make a strong argument that if if she if Bellator resigns Chris Cyborg, which if I'm them, I think you have to because, I mean, come on now, Bellator is Bellator struggling right now, and they need as much star power as they can muster. If they can somehow keep Chris Cyborg. Wait it out for a year. Just give Cyborg those fights. Just get her over. Let her win. Pay her. All that good stuff. And then you can bring Kayla in. Boom. That's a big fight. And that's a huge legacy fight, too. So she gets to have her cake and eat it, too. She gets the legacy and the money. And then her saying, I just want to go out and beat the best fighters in the world. At 45, like, who are you going to beat? It's The best fighters in the world at 45 are Nunes and... Cyborg. That's it. I mean, you could fight Macy Chesson or Norma Dumont, and I'm not trying to take anything away from those two women, but I mean, there is really no featherweight division. Bellator, we're, we're lapping now. Chris Cyborg's starting to lap, so I don't know. It's going to be really hard, and it's going to be really tough to build up a 55-pound division as well. You got 45ers going up to 55. You just have some big hulking women who just fight at 55. There's not a lot of them. So it's going to be interesting Interesting to see what happens here. Kayla, I mean, Kayla won her last fight. She won rather easily, but it wasn't the most impressive performance. So we got to keep an eye on her next performance. Something tells me that she's just going to steamroll whoever that might be, but we'll see. That's why they get in the fight. And talk about pressure on Juliana Pena. There is some pressure there to prove it's not a fluke, but at the same token, she's kind of playing with house money here. If she is just somewhat competitive with Nunez and loses, if she has moments and loses that fight, she's probably going to get another crack. They're probably going to do a third fight. 
So while there's pressure there, you just want to put Amanda behind you. She's kind of playing with house money. As long as she doesn't get run over, if she just has moments and it's competitive in some way, I don't, I don't, there's not a ton going on at the women's bantamweight division right now. There's a very good chance that they would just do a third fight. But we'll see. And as far as Morales and Juras Medic goes, that's just going to be super fun. Two guys who like to get after it. And Juras Medic is, uh, as Jen Bishu likes to say, he's, uh, he's a got or get got kind of guy. He either just gets run over or he runs you over. And those guys just go out there and finish fights. So that should be a really fun prelim on Saturday. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's get Toke Girding Jensen in here, my man. How are you? Joe, but I have one small bone to pick with you. Because, oh, <laughs> because for me, you have talked about this uh, Poirier Wonder Boy idea as if it's a thing that could actually make sense in some universe. And for me no matter the result of that fight, you get issues. So what I mean by that is if Dustin Poirier goes up to 170 and fights Steven Thompson, who is on a losing streak and a bad one at that, if he goes up there and loses, what do you do with him after that? Then he goes back to lightweight, but he goes to the back of the line because he ha- he's coming off a loss. And if Wonderboy loses, well, he's, he might be out of the company at that point because he's, uh, he's uh, had that bad of a loose, losing streak. So I feel like that fight is a breaking case of emergency thing where, oh, we don't have a main event, we have to do this because if it creates a lot of problems no matter the result of the fight. I wonder uh, what you think about that, though. Hold on. I'm, 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 not, I'm not letting you off that easy since you said oh, come on, a bone to pick. Listen, here's, here's the thing. What is wrong with just like having a fight with very little stakes, just two guys fighting each other? It, do- it doesn't have to have implications. And, but, and I also don't think that if Wonderboy loses, he's going to get cut from the company because Wonderboy is beloved in the UFC. Sure. People love the guy. And maybe he's not going to be the champion, but Wonderboy's name still has value. You can use that name to possibly propel other guys. Maybe he slows them down, but I want people will still be clear. Like if wonder boy somehow goes on a three fight winning streak, just goes out and wins three fights in a row. People are still going to be wondering what's going to happen if he ever fights for the title again. So if he goes out and fights Poirier, like it's just a cool fight. Like it, it doesn't need to have implications no. like Poirier. They're both in similar spots right now. Like Poirier could find himself in a fight with like Michael Chandler and maybe he's two wins away from fighting for the belt or something like that, because this division's kind of in shambles right now with 
no champion and Oliveira and Islam and Dariush and all these other guys that are that are waiting right now. And then with Wonderboy, he's far away from fighting for the title. So it's just two guys looking to fight and and filling a spot on the card. That's that's the way that that that's why I think it's okay. It's not the most sensical matchup, but if you have a guy in Dustin Poirier who is a star for you, who just wants to freaking fight, then just let him fight. Just let him but fight. If he wants to fight, fight Wonderboy, just let him fight Wonderboy. Who cares? Fights don't happen in a vacuum, though, because people will then refer back to that fight as, oh, he's coming off a loss, or oh, now he's lost uh, four of his last five, or whatever it is. It will you really never. Think, be- you really think people would go crazy over that? They'd be like, oh my god, like now we now everyone's going to be asking to do this. This is a special no. case. Yeah, yeah, but you know, uh, Wonderboy Thompson, if he loses to, I know it's a good lightweight, but if he loses to a lightweight after the losses he's already had, he already his lost stock Anthony will Pettis. drop. He got yeah. knocked out by Anthony Pettis. He's I know. Already, he's already experienced the worst of it. What, what else could go wrong? So, so now you want him to go down and fight unranked people with the status he actually has after that? Because that's that. where he's going. No, but that's where he's going if he loses again. Maybe. He's going to be a stepping block. I mean, who's to say he's not? I, I hate using stepping stone, but what makes you think he's already not in the litmus test discussion right now? He's already lost yeah, his that- fights. He's already there. So why not? This is this is fun. Let's let's milk let's milk the cow while we have milk inside. You know what I mean? So you don't see like, a downside to this at all. I'm not saying like it could create like a little bit of confusion, perhaps, but it's not like it's it's not like we have two guys who are one win away in their respective divisions for fighting uh, fighting for a title. It's just two guys who fans like and like to watch fight, just fighting. That's is it. the number one contender in lightweight not one win away from another title fight? Is that what I hear you say? Not Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy's not a no. I'm, uh, I'm no. I'm talking about Dustin. Maybe but that win. I mean, prob- Dustin's probably like sixth in line right now. It's it's Oliveira, Makachev. There's Dariush, Chandler. Connor is in this discussion as much as we like it, or it, no matter how we feel about it. And then you have Poirier. So Poirier, while he has a name, and if guys, it would just have to be a lucky thing for Poirier. Poirier is going to fight and get wins. So yeah, Poirier is one Connor, one more Connor win away from another title fight. Mm, uh, maybe I don't know. It all depends what happens. Because again, if Oliver is not fighting till December, then who cares? And I don't think Poirier yeah. really cares about that either. He, I mean, if he, he just wants to fight. The man just wants to fight. He'll fight it. And what, what sense does him and Nate make if we're making this, 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 this argument here? Because Nate's I not mean, fighting at 55. N- he's already said he's not fighting at 55. So no, but Nate is beyond rankings. Nate is beyond rankings. Wonderboy is not. I mean, Wonderboy is not a draw in the same way that Nate is. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. No, but he's Wonder- not. No, I know. You're, you're, you're not lying. You're not lying there, but at the same time, like Wonder Boy is still, Wonder Boy still draws interest. Trust me when I tell you, just going behind the curtain, if I do an interview with Wonder Boy Thompson and put it on YouTube, it's gonna do like tens of thousands of views. It's gonna do like fifty thousand views. It's people like Wonder Boy. He creates. He's nice. He's just he's the anti MMA fighter in a lot of ways. Where yeah, it's yeah, not about trash talk. He's just a nice guy. It's just two nice guys fighting. I, I mean, it's. I get where you're coming from. I'm not saying you're totally wrong, but to say that it's not an option is, I don't know. I, I feel like it's okay for this case. Let's just have two guys get in there and fight. It doesn't have to be for any stakes other than one man wins, one man loses. 
Okay. Well, I've said my piece, and it's fine. We don't agree on this at all. <laughs> but, uh, th- <laughs> but, but I guess thank you for uh, for discussing it with me anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're the man, Toke. I appreciate that. Uh, li- listen, sometimes it's just okay for guys to fight each other. Let's just have a fight. Dustin wants to fight. None of. I mean, listen. Th- there's there's plenty of ways you can go. With this. And just think about the options that are actually there for him, right? Chandler probably isn't going to be ready to fight July 30th because of the injuries he suffered in the Tony fight. Tony's not going to be available to fight. Islam, if he just volunteered to fight, then he can knock off potentially a top five opponent that people say that he's missing right now. I'd love to get Ally Quinta's take on this if you want to jump in, Al, with this lightweight division and where it all stands. Maybe Ally Quinta wants to fight Dustin Poirier. That's a fun fight. There's, there's, and if he just wants to get in there and fight, like the fight to make, and I think we could all agree on this, is just do Dustin and Nate. Just do Dustin and Nate. That fight, both guys want it. Both guys have wanted it for months. Let's just do that. I understand it's, it's the business and we, we want to, we don't want to just let Nate come in and fight and go off into the sunset. I get it, but just let the freaking guy fight. Let's make some money. Let him go out. The UFC is going to make all this money anyways. While it stings to lose a star, it's not going to affect the bottom line of the UFC at all. They're still making that sweet, sweet, sweet ESPN money. It's guaranteed money. If Nate goes off and boxes Jake Paul, so what? Yeah, it stinks. But it's not like Nate fights every three months. He's a star and he draws and people get excited for that. I get it but you're still making this money whether Nate's there or not. So just have him fight Dustin. Give Dustin what he wants. Make one of your homegrown stars happy. What the hell? I just don't I just don't understand why this fight hasn't been made yet. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I appreciate the banter, Toke. It's, it's crazy we're even talking about this right now. It's insane we're even having this conversation right now. And we're not talking about Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz. Two guys who want this fight. They've wanted it for now five months. Even beyond that, they were scheduled to fight before. They're going back and forth. They both want it. Do it July 30th. You could do it on the August card. You're going to freaking Salt Lake City. You're going to Utah, potentially. That's the front runner right now. You're, you're putting on an event. They're hoping Usman will be back by then. But if he's not, Poirier Diaz would be a pretty cool main event. It's something. But I just don't understand why this fight hasn't been made. Let's get Indigo in here. Indigo, what's up? Oh, hey, Mike. How you doing? I, I'm wonderful. Uh, I'm doing great. Um, beautiful weather out. Uh, yes. I just have a couple. Firstly, I want to say uh, no bets barred. Um, easily one of the best things that MMA fighting's put out in a long time. Not saying that the other stuff's bad, but I just think that GC no, and Jad are like... They're, they're such a duo, and they're so big brain uh, when it comes to making plays and stuff. So um, shout out to them. Shout out to Ally Quinta. Uh, <laughs> and I just had a quick – it happened earlier this month. Uh, they had a, like a swath of releases. Um, Devontae Smith and, you know, Zhu Rong specifically, that's someone who I was really high on. Uh, I understand he missed weight for his last fight, but um, I, I, I just I, – I understand that they want to make space for these 10 and 10 contender series contracts, 
but they're they're letting go a lot of good talent. Do you think that? I mean, obviously, it's probably a good business decision for them, but maybe I just feel bad for these fighters um, getting released. But uh, I'll, I'll hang up and let you talk about it. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. Hey, it's uh, it's the unfortunate part of this business, and one of the things I I kind of don't like about the business because. You could sign fighters to four or five, six fight deals and they can lose two fights and they're gone. But if they win two fights, sure, they could possibly renegotiate. But if they want to go and take their talents elsewhere, they cannot. And it's just kind of a weird thing for quote unquote independent contractors when, you know, they can be cut on, on a moment's notice. It's a lot of the guys and gals who get released are for the most part for the most part, they're under the same contracts that they're going to be replaced by. There are certain, there are others, sure, that maybe, like Liz Carmouche was was an interesting example uh, of getting released. And listen, there's 600 freaking fighters on the roster. You're about to embark on a 10-card contender series season where last season, 39 fighters got contracts. 39 39 fighters got contracts on the contender series last year. Even if even a, someone who lost a fight got a got a contract last year. About the contender series, my friends. I miss how there are actual not saying there aren't stakes in the contender series, but I feel like there are certain times where like the first season, you had to go out there and you had to steamroll people. You had to go out there and put on an impressive performance like a really impressive performance. And even then it was hard to get a contract. Now, especially that last season, there are certain weeks where there were guys who didn't get contracts that had a good argument to get them. And then there are certain weeks where all you have to do is win. All you have to do is win and be in a competitive fight and you get a contract. Getting to the UFC was, I'm not saying it's it's still very difficult to do because even though there's, you know, 600 plus fighters on the roster, there's still tens of thousands more fighters, probably more around the world that have the same goal. But it just used to be a lot harder to get in. And a lot of the, let's be, let's be fair. A lot of the fighters who got contracts probably weren't UFC ready yet. I miss the days of, the developmental deal like William Knight got where he would get a win. He would get a finish. It'd be a crazy fight, but they realized that this is, this guy's still a bit green. He's still got work to do, but we like him a lot. So let's give him a developmental deal. And William Knight loved the developmental deal because he could fight as often whenever and wherever he wanted. If he wanted to go fight for CES, he could. He wanted to go fight for CFFC, he could. He wanted to go fight for LFA, he could. And he could do it anytime he wanted. He could still make the money in his developmental deal, but he could fight as often as possible. And when the UFC feels he's ready, they could bring him up. And they did that. Well, they put him back on the contender series. They gave him another shot. And then they brought him up and he ended up fighting a month later. But I missed it. Chase Hooper got a developmental deal. There are other fighters. There are fighters in the contender series who... (laughs) Josh Parisian, we were talking about Josh Parisian the other day. Josh Parisian goes out on the contender series, gets a super quick finish, and then he doesn't get a contract, and they put him on the ultimate fighter. 
hey, here's your reward. You get to go on the Ultimate Fighter. And he goes to the Ultimate Fighter, which is probably a miserable experience. He, I think he loses in the house in his first fight. I haven't watched the Ultimate Fighter in like 10 years, but I think that's what happened. And then after the Ultimate Fighter, he goes on the regional scene, wins like five more in a row. And then he goes back on the Contender Series, gets another first-round finish, and then he gets a UFC contract. It's just crazy. But to kind of answer your question about the releases, yeah, that's kind of what they're in. I wouldn't be shocked to see more coming because Contender Series starting July 26th, I believe, going through early September, 10 cards with 50 fights. Could be 50 new contracts. At least we're going to see over 30, 30 new fighters on the uh, on the roster. Plus, we're going to get two more coming off the Ultimate Fighter. Probably more. So, yeah, it's a tough spot. UFC is in that 1980s WWE mentality where well, we're not here to pay you. We're here to give you an opportunity to be paid. And that works for WWE. UFC is making a, just a ridiculous amount of money right now. They can do whatever they want. Let's get Joey T in here. Joey. How's it going, Mike? Good. How are um, you, sir? To end of the answer to your thing about the Parisian Ultimate Fighter, he did get into the house, lost first round, pretty much got ragdog laid on and lost by decision. But one thing I'll say about the contender series, I do, I don't mind it, but I wish Dana, I have a feeling that the UFC almost, I don't want to say they get pressured for each episode to at least sign at least one guy, but I do like, if they give a lot of the prospects more developmental deals, or even you saw for Parisian, or you saw for maybe for future fighters, hey, look, we're going to give you another fight, see what happens. Like they did for that one Brazilian guy that came in, won by early finish, and then he recently fought on a fight night card. But one thing I would like, honestly, is this, you see most of these prospects are still young and in a career. I would love them to go through like the ultimate fighter. I wish they had more seasons like that. Better coaching around coaching staffs and and oh, what else I was going to bring up? But yeah, pretty much about the whole contender series. I would love the 10 weeks, but I just have a feeling since, you know, now there's 10 weeks, I have a feeling at least they're going to have to at least sign at least one guy per episode, maybe for pressure to bring in more talent for each division. But I just, one thing I would love, there's talent at the weight class, but I would love the UFC to maybe do a couple episodes on the uh, contender or even like a full season to fully on the ultimate fighter to actually develop the lower weight for women. Cause I know they brought them in at first. They didn't high, have overall high expectations. They brought in Ronda, you know, Ronda helped the women's fight game evolve, but I would love them just to actually build up each women division a lot better to help bring in more views for the UFC. I appreciate that. Listen. Yeah. The, the If they did one fighter, getting a contract with the contender series, it's fine, but five, six, every episode. So, and listen, there are some episodes or even early on where you're just like, damn, there's, there's some talent. There's some talent. And if you follow a lot of the regional scene fighters, I even, I'm still following it, but I don't follow as much as I did earlier on in my career because I, I have to do 418 shows every week, which is fine. I'm not complaining about that. I love doing it, but you just know. Sometimes you look at the the actual fight cards and you know that, okay, if this guy wins, he's probably getting in because he's a stud. And there are certain fighters where you're like, why are they even fighting on the contender series? This should already be in the UFC. And there are certain fighters that 
fought on the contender series that would have been great in the UFC and the UFC just passed on. And there are certain ones that there, there have been a few Brandon Lockdane was one. I remember the the heat that was that, that the UFC received and Dana White received for not bringing him on because he went for a takedown at the end of the fight. Anthony Romero, another example who looked really good in his fight against Mike Breeden and went for a takedown in the third round. Breeden was hurt really bad in that fight. He was basically on one leg because of the leg kicks and, and all that. He was tired. He was battered and goes for a takedown, doesn't get a contract. Austin Vanderford didn't get a contract. And there are other examples like that. And then there are fighters who are like 2-0 and and they beat a guy who's like 1-1 and and he gets a contract. It didn't look all that tremendous in getting it. And then they have all these other opportunities too because sometimes they have to fill these looking for a fight cards. We start with Joseph Holmes. Joseph Holmes got a submission win on the Contender Series. They put him on a looking for a fight card and he went out, treated his opponent accordingly and he got a UFC contract. So, I mean, there's lots of avenues where up-and-coming fighters can can get these opportunities. Now, they're doing. my man JHK reported this first, but now they're doing a road-to-the-UFC sort of tournament-type thing where it's almost like the Contender Series, but just in the Asian market ahead of UFC 275. So they're creating all these avenues, but still, it's not costing its production value, sure. But a lot of times the UFC just has their own venues for this stuff. So it's good investment in a, in a lot of it. So the ultimate fighter, God, it's, I mean, it's, can, can we talk about the ultimate fighter? I just, God, the ultimate fighter. I just, I would just love to see a world where the ultimate fighter evolved in any way. It's literally the same show. It's the same show. The first season was so interesting because they didn't really understand what they had. They changed the rules a little bit. They're doing all these different things. I was so fascinated by the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. I watched every episode. And I was into MMA, but I wasn't like fully engulfed in MMA like I am now or where I was maybe 10 years ago. But I watched every episode of that first season of The Ultimate Fighter. I was a huge Diego Sanchez fan. Me and my buddies were in high school as the show was going on. We're all calling each other, just talking about how much of a weirdo we thought Diego Sanchez was, but we were so fascinated by it. And Chris Lieben's getting hammered and fighting everybody all the time. It was just such an interesting cast of characters that were on the show. And it was cool. And now I feel like I feel like all these years later, nothing has changed. We're still wearing the basketball jerseys. All this stuff is exactly the same. I feel like there's ways we could improve this somehow. I don't know how but I literally have no interest in watching the ultimate fighter at all. I just, I don't, I, I'm not going to stop my day to watch the ultimate fighter. I'm just not going to do it. I'm happy for all those who got the, got involved, who got the shot. Good for them. Good for them. If it gets them into the UFC, I'll applaud them. I'm, I'm happy for them, but me as a viewer, I'm just not into it. I'm just not. Now, if you do the Tony Ferguson, Habib idea, I might watch. I might watch if you have Tony and Habib coaching against each other. That was a really interesting thing that came out of the MMA hour. And Tony talked about it. Habib responded to it and said he would do it. That would be interesting. I'd watch that. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th 
live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply get a heat in here always interested to hear from my man a heat what's up buddy come on it's been a while <laughs> i'm good how are you i miss you buddy i know i miss, I miss you. it's mutual it's mutual you know like i just got to re- <laughs> i had to recharge you know and it, like so to get things off my chest you know I've said it before. I said it again. We should have gone with your idea, Mike, of Edwards and Chimaev for the interim belt. Why is Edwards fighting like for this belt? I don't like. We just know like he's gonna lose. I'm picking him to lose, and I'm British. And I'm, this is no hate to Edwards. It's just like, come on, man. Like, are, are we serious? Like, Usman is at the top of the pecking order. Like, he's just gonna do the same. I don't think. Um, it could be a stoppage or it might not be a stoppage. It might just be a repeat of the same, uh, the first fight. Like Usman takes him down and just like touches him up a little bit. Like that's what Usman might resolve to. That's his bread and butter. That's didn't he say he tried that same stunt against Masvidal the first time because he didn't have time to prepare. Obviously, we saw what happened in the rematch. When the first time, didn't he say like? He didn't have much time to prepare. He had to take that fight on short notice. So what did he do? He went down. Uh, he went back to his bread and butter, the wrestling, just the clinch, the out grinding somebody, and he got it done. And you know, like with Usman being prepared and with the better striking man, like uh, yeah, like as in, I, I'm just picking Usman again. Like Edwards doesn't deserve a thing, but whatever. And like I just want to talk more about that arrogance the pure arrogance from the magic three makachev ali abdelaziz and habib because what it it was like back to back to back as well it was so comical on espn mma like if ali the cone pointy-headed little prat um, it, it's it's so insane to me, right? How he's like, I respect Oliveira, but I think, um, what do you say? I think Markachev and Benil should fight for the vacant lightweight title. You little prat. It's always his guys, right? And I understand he's a he's a manager. I understand that. Okay, I get that. But you're there's a line between promoting and being a little prat like he is, saying, oh, but he hasn't beaten Benil or Markachev. And it's so crazy. Like, um, Markachev is just so, uh, what do you say? Uh, Charles isn't a professional. Like, what about Habib? What about your boy Habib who missed weight, who not only, like, he missed weight, 
He didn't turn up to fights against Cowboy Cerrone. And he missed weight. That resulted in him not turning up to fight Tony Ferguson right at UFC 209. What about your boy, since you care so much about professionalism? Not to mention as well, uh, I think it was MMA like fighting that broke the news. I don't know if it was AK Lee, like about Mark Ratner, like already spilling the beans. Like we know, like, so we already know that the whole system was bullshit. When the biggest star in MMA, the biggest voice, Joe Rogan, says it on like, as in the biggest guy, like that Dana likes, when he's not afraid to call it as it is on his podcast that it was bullshit the entire thing that charles is the champion because unless you're sure 100 percent 110 percent sure that charles was that charles missed weight and was 155.5 pounds because of this the tiniest uh margin if you if you're not 110 percent sure charles is the champion you don't know like and we know like this is bs this, this is the thing. We know that Charles was duped. Like the scales weren't calibrated right. Charles was screwed. But Markachev is going to talk all that smack. Like, oh, no, Charles is a professional. Again, Habib, we know Habib missed weight. We know, again, I, I believe Tony when UFC 209, like Habib had, like, he had tiramisu. It's a meme, but we know he did it. Like, and then he didn't make weight. And then, and, and he's talking about how I had to go to the hospital and stuff. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to clown on someone, but I'm just saying, like, as a don't talk about professionalism. And then it comes to Habib. Like, Habib did an interview as well with ESPN MMA. It's like, I, I don't know whether they've all dominant MMA, all have like a script to read off, like, as in, so they can all talk the same crap. But like, Habib, and I didn't expect this out of Habib because I actually like Habib. Like, at times, uh, there's times I thought I'm not a fan of some things that he does, but uh, it's his fanboys that I hated, not Habib, but something Habib said that rubbed me the wrong way was he said oh Charles isn't the undisputed champion because he hasn't beaten Makachev I was undisputed because I was like because what because what your last two title defenses is the same as Charles you beat a Connor that was just like that everyone seems to be able to like I mean this dude is looking I don't know what's happening with Connor I think he's a bit of a coward talking smack to Tony when he didn't he never mentioned Tony's name Mike not once he used Paradise and I, and I know I said this, I don't care, I'll say this again. He used the paradigm, he hid behind paradigm so he didn't have to fight Tony. He never mentioned Tony's name once when Tony uh, called him McNuggets, but he's saying it now. So we got a coward in Connor. They, uh, like, uh, of course, he beat Ally Quinter's like, great fight, and you know, I'll pull up a great fight. I know he's in the chat right now, but I just mean, like, bruv, you had two title defenses. It, it's like, um, come on, like, the same as Charles. You didn't stay in there long enough. How can you insult Tony or anyone else who stays longer to fight harder competition? Like, that's what happens when you fight harder competition. That's not an insult to anybody. That's what happens. You see this in Muay Thai and kickboxing. They have 100 fights, which results in 10 more losses, 20 more losses, 13 more losses. Why? Because they fight more people. It happens. So when you leave, uh, for whatever reason, I understand your father passed away, and I, I'm sorry for that, but 
for whatever reason you leave after such like a shorter amount of time of course like of course like uh, you, your record might be better of course there's a chance now you did well but for you to crap on charles and say oh he's not undisputed when he has like similar title defenses to you you're full of crap you're you're absolutely full of crap like it just shows you and also dc dc abusing his position to push Markachev into a title shot abusing his position in espn mma is pathetic um yeah like it's just so sad but but you know dc is just another issue but it's all those dominant mma people f all of them they've all got a script i like benil dariush and maybe a couple other people who seem nice but apart but the rest of them, they've all got a script, and it's pathetic. Ahead, I missed you, pal. Good grief. He was let off the leash and just ran ragged. Good Lord. That is quite the, quite the take right there. Yeah, I mean, there, there are certain things that I agree with, for sure. The... The media tour with everybody sort of saying the same thing. I, I you're not wrong about that. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with the hasn't beat Islam, hasn't beat Benil thing yet. But it, I'm really interested to see what happens. There are certain people who feel like Islam is is guaranteed this title shot, and I still don't think I still am not on that camp yet. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, but I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent. I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent. But I and I also have no insight to this, but I also feel like if, if ever if, if the UFC believes that Islam is the guy, I just I think he's gotta get that other win. I, that's why I'm not opposed to him just saying, you know what, Dustin, July 30th, you need a guy, I'll fight you. Then he's got his top five win. There's no questions. The list that's like five people deep right now who could fight Oliveira goes down to one. He fights Dariush in October, does that, same thing. List goes down to one. I just don't know if is going to fight in October. And if I'm Oliveira, I'm taking a little bit of a stance. I'm not, the, all these fights are on the road for him. He was supposed to fight Gaethje in Brazil. Didn't happen. And he had to go to Gaethje's hometown and fight Gaethje. And now you're going to send him to Abu Dhabi to fight Islam? I just, I don't know. I understand the weight miss and he's not the champion and maybe he doesn't have all the leverage, but I still think in most people's eyes, even in Dana's eyes, that he is in their eyes, the champion. Now, what I'm more curious about is how are they going to treat him like a champion? Is he going to get championship money? Is he going to get pay-per-view points for whenever he fights for this title? I don't know. So I was pretty, pretty critical of the UFC and I was pretty critical of the whole situation. I thought the all of everything was dumb. But I also understand why people are like, no, rules are rules, are rules and, and it is what it is. But if there was an issue with the scale, I know there wasn't an issue with the, the, the official scale because it's all checked and calibrated and rechecked and all that stuff. Now, Mark Ratner also said that he thinks the other scales, the one in the back and the one at the fighter hotel, there might have been some tampering with those scales. He's not ruling that out at all. But just to clarify that whole situation, the scale that they actually stepped on was correct, checked, rechecked, and that's the only thing that the commission has to deal with. That's their scale. That's the scale that's used. That's the only one they're responsible for. 
The other scales that the UFC brings, the ones in the back, the ones in the hotel, the fish has nothing to do with those. Nothing. So the whole thing's interesting. Joe Rogan said that Oliveira got screwed. There are a lot of people who feel that Oliveira got screwed. And we'll see what happens with it. Mike wants some more. Hi, Mike. Welcome back. Unmute, Mike. Unmute. Bro, Mike. All I got to say is you got to get a heed on BTL. That's all I got to say, man. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Him and Jeb Mishu, fireworks. Be a three-hour yes, show. Sir. <laughs> you got to moderate it, it, dude. You got to moderate it. Mike said that. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to boot you, Mike. Uh, by the way, we're going to have a, a little a little Jed versus UFC fighter on BTL today. It's going to be Jed Mishu versus Billy Corintillo. Should be a lot of fun. Billy Q wants uh, wants to step into the virtual BTL arena and go one-on-one with Jed Mishu, and that's going to happen. 3 p.m. Eastern, live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. I have to try to keep these two from strangling each other. But Billy Q is a classy dude, and Jed is a classy dude, too. He just has fiery hot takes. Let's get Hussein in here. And I think this might be it. Hussein, what's up, man? Hey, not much. First of all, this has been a lot of pound-for-pound pound talk, and I feel like we've been missing out on one fighter who's really, like, deserves the hype. He's undefeated. He's a mauler. I can't believe EKC Layden hasn't been considered for the pound-for-pound pound number one. <laughs> I'm just flabbergasted and insulted. And on a more, on a different note, do you think Volkanovski being in Australia, not putting on the, like, the showy performances are what are – is what's hindering his chances to become, like, number one pound for pound. Like, if he lands a no-look jab, kind of like Max Holloway did in that fight against Kadar, would some kind of performances like that boost his chances? I mean, I don't know how much better he needs to do from the last performance against Korean Zombie. Dude went out and pitched a perfect game in that fight. That was an incredible performance. He was... He just ran him over. It was a perfect game. He went out there and did whatever he wanted for over 15 minutes. Took him into the fourth round. Just beat that man up. That was an incredible performance from Volkanovski. That's the kind of performance he needed. He went out there and pitched a perfect game. One of the better performances in a title fight, in my opinion. It was fantastic. There, there, have, been prob- there have been better ones. But wire to wire, the way that Volkanovski performed, man, that was something. But we also have to remember Usman has been in that sort of situation as well, where he went out and won decisions, wasn't finishing guys. That obviously changed with the Gilbert Burns win. With the, He beat Colby. There were some questions there. I didn't have a big issue with the stoppage. I understand why Colby did. He still kind of had his wits with him, but he also took a bit of a beating in that fight. But the Gilbert Burns finish was impressive. The way he knocked out Jorge Mazadal, that changed things up. When you get finishes, that changes the narrative a little bit. I think I have Volkanovski number two in my pound for pound behind Usman. Is two or three. I have to I have to go back and look. I don't have time to look right now, but he's either two or three. But he's so good. He's so good. That fight with Holloway, I can't wait for. I cannot wait to see that third fight. I could watch those guys fight a hundred times. I'm hoping to be out there for that. 
TBD. Stay tuned. Hopefully we'll have some good news on that front. Because I, as long as I've been covering the sport, I've never stepped foot in Las Vegas. Not even for a layover, nothing. Never been to Vegas ever. And that would be a, a hell of a time to get the first look. International Fight Week, Hall of Fame, all that fun stuff. Big card coming up on July 2nd, UFC 276. Hopefully we can make it happen. Should know in the next week or two if it is going to happen. But that's it, everybody. I have to do like a million things. I'm actually running the desk as well, so I can't continue on. We are done. I appreciate everybody who has jumped on here. And we'll do it again tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. And by the way, I'm not going to say it yet because it's not done, but there is a chance. There is a possibility. If we can keep this thing going at the rate that we're going right now with the amount of downloads on the podcast network, the amount of people who jump in here, just checking it out throughout the day. If we can keep this going at the rate we're going right now, we might be able to expand this bad boy into a daily thing. But that's on you guys. I'll keep coming. I'll keep showing up. You guys keep bringing that heat. And maybe we can do this every day. But we'll see what happens. We're working on that. So lots of stuff in the works right now. But we're out of here. If you guys are just checking out the, the last half of the show, the rest of the show is going to be up on the podcast network in a, probably the next 30 minutes or so by 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But until then, everybody, I am Mike Heck. Have a great rest of the day. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.